and welcome to Igniting the Spark, Talk Film Society's Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Callie Smith, contributing writer at TFS and a giant Star Wars nerd. Today I will be discussing The Empire Strikes Back with my special guest, Dave Giannini. Dave is also a contributing writer at TFS as well as the host of a podcast directed by and I believe an upcoming show on TFS, but I'll let you introduce that if you want to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so writer and uh, editor at TFS, and uh, the podcast that I will be co-hosting uh, with another member of TFS, uh, Manish Mathur, we're doing a podcast about queer cinema called Queer and Now. Um, so basically we're picking one queer movie for every year from 1930 to 2019, and we're going to go through them all. Um, so you can follow that show, even though it hasn't quite begun yet, at uh, on Twitter at Queer and Now Pod. Awesome. I'm definitely going to be listening to that one. Um, awesome. So how's it going <laughs> with you, Dave? It's going good. It's going good. You know, like, uh, it's always an adventure when a Star Wars movie comes out on Twitter. So the discourse is lively. Yeah. There's <laughs> a lot going on. It's a lot. <laughs> And I say this as somebody who is very much involved in it, because <laughs> I tried to take a social media break and avoid it, and I woke up the day the social media embargo broke with the like oh, headline no. of, like, Google immediately recommended the headline of, Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> fans say it fixes The Last Jedi, and I was like, oh, fuck oh, this. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Just, so. Like, the world won't even let you take a break. You're like, I'm going to walk away. Yeah. Google says no. Google says no. Google says it's time to stress right now. It's time to stress That's for two right. days. Um, so, yeah, it's a mess. We are recording this the day before The Rise of Skywalker comes out. And, uh, mm -hmm. who boy. Um, I will, of course, be there opening night. But one of the things I wanted to talk to you about is when we set this up, you were telling me about your commitment to not uh, see any more Disney movies, <laughs> giving more money, money Disney's way. And I told you that I very much admire that goal. Um, and I would love it if you talked about that in the uh, interest of having as many opinions as possible on the show. Yeah, absolutely. When you asked me if I wanted to be on this show, that was my first question. Like, uh, as long as it's not the new one, because uh, I'm not going to see it. Uh, <laughs> so thankfully, uh, we'll eventually we'll get to talk about the best Star Wars movie, The Empire Strikes Back. So that's super exciting. But um, if you are an avid listener on TFS, you may have heard a Scorsese podcast uh, that uh, our, ed our editor-in-chief, Marcelo, put together. And I kind of talked... I kind of danced around it there, but the, my my big issue with Disney right now is that they are locking movies up. They just you know they purchase Fox and they kind of they're not allowing smaller theaters to to play their movies. So what they're essentially doing is what they do best, which is controlling the narrative, mm -hmm. controlling media, um, and they're killing small theaters by doing that. Mm -hmm. So not only are they removing art from our ability to see it. But also, all that's going to be left is AMC and Regal and whatever other big chain is in your area. And I think that's horrible. I think that's terrible. I'm a person who, when I was a high school student, uh, I was lucky enough to live near an art house theater. Mm. Um, and it completely changed the way I not only saw movies, but the way I saw art in general, kind of the way I take things in. Yeah. And it's a really important thing to me. So to see a company actively work to destroy that mm -hmm. is pretty terrible and kind of hurts me personally. And I just started thinking, okay, I do a lot of talking 
just in general, <laughs> podcasts, Twitter, friends, family, you know, because I talk about movies all the time, right? And I talk a lot about like, oh, what Disney is doing is terrible. Oh, is a new Star Wars movie? Here's your $20, sir. I would yeah. like to see that. And I'm like, I don't feel comfortable with that anymore. And mm-hmm. I'm working very hard. I can be a judgmental person, but I'm working very hard to not push that on people in my life. I don't expect anyone else to do that. And I don't expect my grand sacrifice to change anything. Mm -hmm. But it does make me feel better about the choices I'm making and what I'm supporting, right? Because even in these giant, you know, 25 screen multiplexes, if you really look, there's some smaller movies there. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to try. You have to schedule it. You have to really focus to not see a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie or even like, you know, this is not just really limited. That whole thing is not really limited just to Disney. It's just kind of the multiplex that's full of, you know, it's not that these movies aren't artistic. They certainly can be, but they're, you know, they're created by a bunch of people. It's yeah. not an artistic vision. And I it's would much common. rather support. Yeah, exactly. And I'd much rather support the smaller artistic films. And th- mm-hmm. those are the things that for me are going to last and the things that will make a difference in my life. Like, is it really going to make a difference if I don't see Black Widow or yeah. if I don't see The Rise of Skywalker? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I would probably enjoy those movies. And that's the hurtful part for me is like, I am a big Star Wars fan. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised with it. The first, the first movie I ever saw in a theater is Return of the Jedi. Yeah. This is like, it is a part of my film going history. I have owned many different copies of Star Wars. You know, I yeah. have been in it. Um, I went opening day to Phantom Menace. It was a big deal. <laughs> and now I, because I'm like, quote unquote, making this stand, I'm like removing some enjoyment from my life, which sucks because in the hellscape that we live in, <laughs> we need enjoyment. <laughs> we need you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Right. But I also am just like, you know, I just can't bring myself right now to talk out of one side of my mouth and then still give them yeah. my $20 three or four times a year. So Definitely. that's that's where I'm at with it. So some of my friends are like, man, you're just punishing yourself. Like, I don't know why <laughs> you would want to do this. And now seeing how the the discourse has exploded, it is actually quite relaxing. Yeah, yeah, to, I'm sure. To like, I'm like, I'm not going to see it anyway. So like, uh, go ahead, yell you at each other. You don't got to worry about it. It's not Great. your problem yep. anymore. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, it's something I admire because, I mean, obviously I'm aware of all these things about Disney too, right? But... Right. And like, it's so hard because I love, obviously I love Star Wars too. And it's such a big deal and a big part of my life. That mm-hmm. consuming anything Star Wars now does give me the like moral heebie-jeebies because it is like, all sure. right, I am supporting this like thing that is not, not dope. <laughs> it's not great, right. uh, you know. Right. Like I, I went to Disney World and I, I went to you know Galaxy's Edge and I spent the appropriately way too much amount of money at Galaxy's <laughs> Edge. And every right. time I'm going, oh, this is going right into that mouse's pocket, and it's tough because, right. yeah. But but at the same time, we all deserve fun. We oh, all yeah. deserve enjoyment, exactly. which is why I'm working very hard not to like shit on other people's fun. You know, yeah, like yeah. oh, you're seeing a Star Wars movie, you're a traitor <laughs> to art. You know, it's yeah, like it's not yeah. like that. It's just purely a personal thing. So you know. People who are listening, obviously, big Star Wars fans. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, don't go see The Rise of Skywalker. You're a bad <laughs> person if you see it. Everyone makes their own choice, and it's a totally fine choice to go and see it. You know, like, yeah. it, it should be fun. Even if it's not the best Star Wars movie, it's still going to be a Star Wars movie. There's still, there's still going to be enjoyment no mm-hmm. matter what. And overall, that is a good thing. Yeah. 
And that is the mentality I am trying to go into tomorrow with, with uh, everything that's going on right now. <laughs> and man, it's right. getting hard. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but that's anyway, we are we are here, as you mentioned, though, to talk about what is almost certainly the best Star Wars movie, which is Empire Strikes yes. Back. Um, do you have do you have a strong memory of like the first time you saw Empire? Well, I don't have a strong memory of the first time I saw it because I definitely don't remember it. But I know that my father sat me down to watch the first two before I saw Return of the Jedi in theaters. But I was like four or five years old. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, but I do remember like probably being in like fifth or sixth grade, you know, being a 10 year old boy, which is like the perfect age for Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And then just watching and rewatching and watching and rewatching, even since a young age. Empire Strikes Back has always been my favorite. Yeah. Like it just, and I was thinking about why, right? Because it's it, it's so accepted now that you almost don't even have to think about it. Like, what's the best Star Wars movie? Oh, it's clearly Empire Strikes Back, right? Mm -hmm. It's like saying, you know, one of the greatest movies ever made is Citizen Kane. Like, oh, of course it is. We don't well, have yeah. to talk about it. But, <laughs> but, but I did start thinking about like why it is stuck with me, not only as a kid, but as an adult. Because this is the one that like if I'm in the mood for a Star Wars movie, this is the one I put on. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm not going to watch all of them or watch them in a row, this is what I turn to. And I think what I love most about it is it does what almost no other fantasy uh, franchise does is it actually actively makes the world bigger. Yeah. So you have the end of Star Wars, right, which is a great wrap-up. Everything is done with a bow. Mm -hmm. Everyone except Chewbacca gets their medals. You know, it's great. <laughs> And the great thing about the way that ends is, like, you can, if you're going to make a second movie, which they weren't sure they were going to, right, because mm -hmm. they didn't know if it was going to make any money, there's a lot of, there's a lot of directions you could go, you could go. And the first one is a straight up hero's journey, right? Mm -hmm. It's been done a thousand times before. It'll be done a thousand times again. And it's great because it works. It's simple. It's to the point. We all love it. But they could have done that again, right? They could have just continued kind of the same journey and kind of serialized it, right? Yeah. But instead... They make it weird. They make it dark. Mm -hmm. They split up our heroes for the majority of the movie. I mean, yeah. like, basically, they're only together the first 30 minutes mm -hmm. uh, and then, like, the last 10. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. over half the movie, you've got Luke hanging out with a puppet, you know, and then you've got, you know, Han and Leia, like, getting closer and, like, introducing Lando Calrissian and, like... They go on totally separate journeys, but I think the really impressive thing they do is that within the first 30 minutes, you understand how close they all are. Yeah. Because at the end, end of the first movie, yes, Han comes and saves Luke uh, at the last moment from, from Vader as they're going down, you know, and going to blow up the Death Star. But you're like, okay, he did one good thing. Are they really friends? Maybe. But then there's that scene where Luke, you know, gets stranded out there, and Han immediately, without thinking, risks his life. Mm hmm for his new friend. Yeah. And that sets it up. You don't need anything else. You don't need them sitting around and talking to one another. You don't need them saying, oh, we're actually really good friends. Didn't you know? You know, you just have this one act. Mm -hmm. You have him go and risk his own life to go save his friend's life. And that's it. And from then on, you can split them up. And then you understand why Luke does what he does by the end of the film. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's so good. And like, also that... Because like, that was one of the realizations I had rewatching it this time. Because honestly, it's been a... It's been a while since I actually sat down and rewatched the originals, mm. um, and I'm so glad that I get the excuse to do it with this podcast. Right? But yes, I have to. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! What a curse! <laughs> um, it's nice to see it though because it's such good. 
like compact, concise storytelling, and even just the fact that Han is still there, like and on Hoth communicates so much mm-hmm. to you about the decisions Han has made in the time since you saw him last, because he's decided to stay with the, you know, with the rebels and continue this mm-hmm. fight, even though he has a bounty on his head. And yes, we meet him and he's going, all right, guys, it's it's really time. I got to get going. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to die. Can I take yeah. care of this, please? I would very much not like to be chased by bounty hunters for the whole movie, you know, like, <laughs> um, but it's so, it's so good and it's also hearing you talk about it just remind me of the fact that like well i mean okay the story beats of this one i feel like every episode of this podcast at some point is going to loop around to last jedi because let's be honest it's the most controversial sure. star wars film but whenever you sum it up that way where you were talking about they're together only at the very beginning and at the very end mm-hmm. it really reminded me of how that that um movie is set up and how much everybody a lot of people not everybody because um i exist and the people at dfs exist (laughs) Uh, it reminds me of how much most people hated that movie it seemed although now we're starting to discover with uh, rise that maybe (laughs) maybe more people like that than we thought (laughs) anyway um it's just so interesting how these movies like echo each other really really well and like but anyway empire I love this movie so much that eh, I just eh, I just don't even know to, where to start <laughs> with this movie, right? Because you just love it so much, and it's so cool. The thing I also noticed this time is the beginning; those first like thirty to forty minutes, man, this thing is immediately just cooking with fire, like cooking with gas right off the oh, bat. Yeah. Because yeah. I I paused at some point. I was like, wow, I can't believe I'm still in the intro. And I hit pause and it was like 45 minutes into this movie. And right. I was like, what? <laughs> it moves so well. And it's so, and it doesn't like, it's action that's moving the story forward. It's not action for the sake mm-hmm. of action. Um, and it's just a really wonderfully like paced movie. Um, oh, yeah. Oh. I just, oh, I love it. Yeah, you bring up you bring up the action, and like it is, it is, it does move the story forward. Another thing that I love about this movie is there's some really, I mean, subtle seems like the wrong word to talk about a movie with laser swords, a space opera, giant <laughs> walking creatures that shoot, you know, fire out of out of their heads. Like it does seem ridiculous, but the visual language of this actually puts forward some really subtle messaging that I really appreciated. Like. You know, it's like when you have the walkers, right, show up on Hoth and you realize, oh, my God, the rebels are way outgunned. This is this is not going to be good for anyone. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that, like, what's the way that they take out the walker? They don't fire directly at them. Mm-hmm. They don't have a secret weapon. What they do is they use their tow cables and trip up their legs, which just goes to show you, like, yes, they are outmanned. They are, they are outgunned. But if they can think on their feet, then you can overcome these great obstacles. It's never about, Star Wars has never been about like, oh, well, we just got to amass the biggest army and then we can march on them and we can win. It's about the individuals working together as a team. You know, you have in this, like you couldn't have more disparate people than a smuggler, a princess who leads a rebellion and a farm boy. 
Mm-hmm. Like that's what you have. But when they all come together and all find a way to work with one another, they all have skills that when they work as a team can overcome the greatest of obstacles. And that scene with them wrapping the tow cable around the legs of the Empire is perfectly emblematic of what the Rebellion has to do in like one little moment. So there's so many great little snapshots of what these movies are about that are in Empire Strikes Back. And I just, I just adore it because of that. Cause it actually takes the time. Cause like, what does that do to further the plot? Nothing. It doesn't change anything, right? It's not like, oh, the Empire was so defeated by this one moment that they were beaten back. It's like, no, no, but we managed to do something that no one thought we could do. And you know, you mentioned, uh, the last Jedi and it's kind of the same thing with the, the Holdo maneuver. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, well we have, we have a star destroyer. We can't be stopped. And it's like, no, no, we have people willing to make sacrifices and do things that you would never think of. And you have that in both these movies. Yeah. It's just, it's so great. And one of the other things that this movie starts like really introducing, I love that through Yoda, we start, of course, getting the actual Jedi training and getting to know what the ideas of the Jedi are. But watching this again, and I I was intending originally to watch these every week as we recorded, and then the siren's call of rewatching The Last Jedi at the end <laughs> called to me too much, and I just started binge-watching sure. them. Uh, and uh, <laughs> it's – we start seeing how kind of toxic the, like – Jedi trainings are in like the sessions with Yoda because that is that is something that we're definitely going to talk about on this podcast in the uh, prequel episodes is the fact that the Jedi teachings are sometimes kind of bullshit because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, as an adult rewatching uh, Yoda say you know do or do not there is no try I was like what are you talking about Yoda I try every day <laughs> like you know right. there are just certain things that are obviously so not not good <laughs> um, that he's he's teaching Luke and Luke is very I, I really like the kind of narrative that this sets up of like Luke is ki- definitely converting to a religion by going over to like Yoda and learning this mm-hmm. stuff. But he's taking that like almost religious background and he's taking what he needs from it. Um, and he is, right. you know, using it in a way and to, to support this rebellion. And it's just something that like, I don't know, it really touched me. And I, maybe it's just because of the modern era we're currently in <laughs> that a narrative like that touched me so much, but it was, a. Uh, it's so cool to watch these movies again when you're older and get different things mm-hmm. from them. Um, and it, I think it's also interesting to watch these, like, because, like, of course, when we first watched these, the prequels didn't exist, right? Yeah. But then, like, yeah. you see things, like, tie in, and sometimes in ways where you're like, were you really thinking about this when you made the prequels? <laughs> because there's a bunch of times in the prequels where he always talks about, like, the Sith, only a Sith deals in absolutes. Right? Yeah, yeah. What is... What is do or do not? There is no try. That is the exact. <laughs> that's the exact mindset of what you complain about with the Sith, right? Is that there's yeah. only black and white? Like that's what you're telling him, 
too. You know, despite the fact that he's never had any training and he's just crash landed in your bog and you're just <laughs> like, I mean, God, God bless the Frank Oz performance here. It is phenomenal. It oh, is. Yeah. I think when I was a kid, this was probably what drew me in. This is probably my favorite part. Like I could have watched when I was a kid, I could have watched two hours of Yoda and R2-D2 fighting. Like, just <laughs> give me that. And I am golden. Like Truly, I was so yeah. entertained by that. You know, and it just really does like these movies, not to say that like adults can't enjoy them. Clearly, we're spending hours talking about <laughs> Star Wars movies yeah, as adults. Yeah. But moments like that, you look, you're like, oh, yeah, this these are these are definitely kids movies. Like this yeah. is what they were designed for. They are, you know, there's there's depth to them, mm-hmm. but they're relatively simplistic. Right. It's supposed to be something anyone can latch on to. But I would argue that there are one or two moments in The Empire Strikes Back that are tough. For younger mm-hmm. viewers. Yeah. Like, you know, the scene where he fights, you know, fake Vader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, cuts off his head and it's his own face inside oh, the mask. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Right now? I don't like this. Like, I don't get it. That but I'm shot. Out by it. The shot <laughs> of just his face in the helmet, like, traumatized me for a little bit as a kid. Because yeah. I was just like, whoa, what does that mean? <laughs> like, ah. Yep. Um, yep so good yeah because it's a great again the visual language right this is a great representation of like you have to master yourself Mm. before you do anything else like you are fighting yourself right now and of course there's the added aspect of like spoiler alert that like you are related to vader right like that Mm. ties into it too but for me most of that is about like this is this is an internal battle you're fighting and you're not ready for the big fight at the end of this film yeah because if he can't even if he can't even defeat this internal battle, there's right. no way against the real thing that <laughs> the things are going to work out, and they exactly. don't. And that's definitely one of the other I think more traumatic things for like a kid to see is whenever Yoda or Yoda, excuse me, Luke uh, gets he gets bested. You know, I mean, he's definitely yeah. not ready, and that arm flies off, and it is upsetting and it's out of nowhere right it's something that i don't think i kept in mind and then as i'm rewatching for this podcast like you go through that whole fight sequence which is still so cool like Mm -hmm. of course like the the lightsaber sequences which you'll talk about in the prequel episodes are you know choreographed to within an inch of their life and really cool but this like this is actually one of my favorite uh lightsaber sequences because it is so raw and has so much like just there's a lot of vindictiveness to it yeah. and you have kind of the petulant child going against this aggressive adult and then like that that hand getting come on come getting cut off comes out of nowhere mm-hmm. like they are fighting he's back against the wall and then all of a sudden he has no hand and yeah. oh my god <laughs> and this is like for a you know for a kids movie for a kids adventure movie mm-hmm. that is horrifying yeah like i'm watching this i'm like i can't believe they made this i mean thank god they have the whole background of the lightsaber being so hot that it cauterizes the wound so you don't have to show like <laughs> blood spurting out of yeah. his stump or anything <laughs> like that but it's still like you're watching it and hearing him scream in agony and you're like oh my what movie did i just walk yeah. into there's a lot happening here it's 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 so cool one of the things that i and i noted it more whenever I was watching the end of Return of the Jedi, but it's really true about this one too, is that Mark Hamill has this way of selling every single swing of one of his lightsaber fights. Yeah. Like it is, he's it, really good physically. He's mm-hmm. yeah, it truly feels 
every swing truly feels like life and death, you know, that any moment he mm-hmm. could slip up and, and that's what happens. That's what the arm thing definitely is, is just a moment where mm-hmm. he slips up and the consequences are immediate and sharp. And that's not something you get as much in those very choreographed prequels or even right. honestly, the very choreographed like sequels have, I mean, the sequels, I love, I love the lightsaber fights in the sequels, but they're choreographed oh, they're to amazing. death too. Um, yep. And, and I think you're right. You need that physicality and that performance because what that does is it sells the fact that Yoda is right. He's not trained. He's mm-hmm. not ready. He may be talented. He may have every reason in the world to fight. You know, it's interesting because it kind of like throws dirt in the eyes of the whole idea of like, well, we have to fight for our friends and we have to bond together. And like, no, he knows that too. And he led yeah. you right into this trap. He knows he's better than you. So like, go ahead, go protect your friends and you'll have one less hand. So good luck, Luke. And that physicality really comes across that he is raw and that he's not ready. And like you said, him like kind of, it's like he launches his entire body into every single swing, Mm -hmm. which leaves him open. He has no defense whatsoever. Yeah. Right. So it's just like, and Vader, of course, is very good at like, you know, leading him into this. Like he's a great villain in that way and continues to be basically until the end. Yeah. I also, the other thing about this, like, great lightsaber fight at the end here that I also love that I feel like we've lost in some of the other, like, lightsaber fights throughout the saga is the, like, incorporating the fact that they can use the Force, that Vader Mm. can just pull something down and throw it at him whenever he's too far away, you know? It's something that, like, you don't, as, as powerful as he supposedly is in the Force... Um, Kylo Ren doesn't just like pull something down on somebody in the middle of a fight and he right, totally right. could and should like, you know, it's just, yep. it's you know, just, that, that brings up, it brings up two things for me. One, when I was a kid watching this, that scene scared the hell out of me. Yeah. Like I thought this was the most frightening thing I'd ever seen. Like, and it wasn't the hand getting cut off. It wasn't the hand to hand combat. It was the like essentially having furniture ripped off the wall and being flung at our hero. <laughs> yeah. Like it is really like you're like, oh, well, this is going to end badly. Like this is not going to be great for you. And the other thing as I was watching this, I was really impressed with, I think, more than any other Star Wars movie, this movie subtly mixes genre very well. Like, yes, it is a straightforward action-adventure film. And then it's like a philosophical film when you're talking about the battle within, which we mentioned. Mm-hmm. But then, like, that scene leading up to the fight, that is a straight-up horror movie. Yeah. Like, he's walking into a haunted house. <laughs> yeah. Like, things are flying off the wall at him. And then Vader essentially turns into Michael Myers. Like, he just is, he never really gets injured. There's, like, one moment where he, like, hits his shoulder. And the rest of it is just, like, he won't stop coming. Yeah. And you just, like, you're rooting for Luke. But, again, you're just like, uh, man, you are, son, you are out of your depth. Yeah. This is not going to work out for you. And I was just really impressed with that. It's not something I thought of, of course, when I watched it as a as a kid or even as a young adult. But I'm like, now that I've watched a lot more movies and seen a lot more different genres, like, Wow, they did a great job at kind of very subtly mixing and matching these into like, and I think this is, this is probably in terms of all the Star Wars movies, this is the one for me that stands on its own the best. There are other Mm -hmm. movies like, I think Return of the Jedi gets, gets some bad press nowadays, you know, like the Ewoks suck, blah, 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 whatever. 
And it is a lesser film, but I think it still works within the trilogy, right? Like, yeah. it just, it's a nice wrap up. Things work out really well. It's well done. It's well put together. But this one, I think, just as a movie really stands on its own. It's like, for me, it's this and The Last Jedi are the mm-hmm. ones that stand alone. It's like, that is just a damn good movie. Yeah. And I could just watch this on its own. Like, if I'm going to watch Attack of the Clones, okay, I got to watch Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> you know, I got to watch Sith. I got to I gotta get the whole picture. But this one, I can just like, let me just throw this on. Let me see how they're doing on Hoth in the first 30 minutes here. This is fun. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's such a, it's such a wonderful, wonderful movie. And there's just so much going on in it. You know, you talked about blending like tones and the, the thing that I remember immediately going, wow, this is just a really incredible moment. It's like all the way when you first meet Yoda and you meet him and he's obviously just acting like a little shit, but like literally <laughs> his second line is like turning to Luke and saying, war does not make one great. You know, like mm. he's just dropping, like <laughs> it's like in this scene that's clearly yeah. meant to entertain kids because it's Yoda, he's also just dropping these incredible pieces of wisdom that will, like, hopefully mm-hmm. stay with these kids for the rest of their lives, you know? Like, and that's yeah. just the whole Yoda sequence where he's just flipping between being a little pain in the butt and being the, like, wisest person ever who has mm-hmm. some rough ideas because then he also says the whole do or no not thing, you know? It's yeah. just, it's just, it really, it's really interesting. And it's just something that like the balance of tone in Star Wars, I think is so difficult to get right for this like new generation of filmmakers who are trying their best mm-hmm. to get the balance of comedy and scary things and just sci-fi weirdness. Right. And this mm-hmm. movie is just the perfect, uh, capitulation of all those things thrown together ah, it's a, it's it. also like a, a master class in how to make a second movie in a trilogy yeah right like not yeah. only is it a good movie on its own but like there's like at least three moments where you're like wait what yeah. oh god i gotta watch the next movie <laughs> like imagine imagine watching this you know in in 1980 and then being like uh i gotta wait yeah, I gotta wait to find. Is he really his father? Okay, I gotta figure that out. Okay, Luke's missing an arm. Are they gonna deal with that? Um, you've got, you know, Han is in carbonite. Is he dead? Is he alive? I don't. How, yeah. Is he gonna make it? I don't know. And then you have Yoda with his like, no, there is another. What? What, do, <laughs> what does that mean? There's another Jedi. <laughs> like, I thought he was the last one. There's no other left. Like, what is going on? But it's not cheap. It's not mm-hmm. done in a way where you're like, oh, I feel like I'm being manipulated here. Yeah. Most of these things are all plot-based. It's just the next thing to happen. In the next movie, we're going to figure this all out together. And it's just like – and you mentioned the pacing of this movie is – I mean, it's like a perfect three-act structure. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just it's just done exactly, exactly right. And, like, I don't want to be the guy who's like, oh, George Lucas sucks. But, like, it is notable that George <laughs> Lucas didn't direct this. Yeah. Right? You yeah, know? And then it it's is. like, they got, like, a, you know, because George Lucas, in terms of crafting story, maybe not dialogue, but in terms of crafting story, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like, he's a great, great, great storyteller. Oh, yeah. And when you brought in a professional, a professional director... To come in here and tell his story in a really efficient way, man, it just 
This movie just hums, man. Like you just mm-hmm. like I put it on. I'm like, okay, I got to watch Empire Strikes Back. That's not the worst thing in the world. And then I was like, well, I'll kind of watch it and I'll be on my phone. And then I got like five minutes in and I am hooked. Like I'm just like, yeah, I've seen this twenty times, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. I'm still like, okay. What's going to happen next? You know, it's not like it's a mystery. Of course, you know it's going to happen. But like in terms of filmmaking, in terms of story, like it just there's not really a false step here. There's not a lot of wasted energy. And that's something I don't know I can say about any Star Wars movie. No. Except Empire Strikes Back. Like I love (laughs) Star Wars, but there's there's some excess involved in the Star Wars world. And I don't really feel that here. You know, like even the scene where like, you know, Han and Leia fly into the rock creature or whatever, the creature in the cave, like that does that does feel extra, but it's there to serve it's there to serve a purpose, which is Han and Leia becoming bonded together. Not only as a romantic couple, but as people that respect one another. Mm -hmm. Because now they've been through something together. You know, and it's just like wow, this is all like just about, and the only thing I think really we haven't talked about is Lando. Oh gosh, great! Like <laughs> Billy oh. D. Williams in like just a phenomenal performance. Oh like, yeah, like you get why people like him, and you also get why people doesn't don't trust him with about fifteen seconds of work. Like just that <laughs> introduction, and you get like I like that you get backstory about Han, which is something you never got in the first movie, mm-hmm. and they probably could have. They could have let this go and never had him really had a backstory other than like bounty hunters are after it. But I like that you get this complicated quote unquote friendship because let's be real. <laughs> those two definitely had a relationship. Like, come on. like That, <laughs> that, that back and forth. I'm like, mm, that is very intimate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You two are interacting, you know, and like there's this, you know, weird pseudo jealousy with the Lando Leia Han stuff and that stuff all really works. And, you know, Cloud City is just really really weird you know there's yeah. a lot going on there it's just like i would watch a whole movie like cloud city the movie like give me that like let's go there's a there's a lot to explore here but i like the fact that it's you know it's still plot based so we don't have time to explore everything but we do have time to like make the world bigger and make it weirder yeah and that's actually one of the things that i really loved watching these like watching four and five back to get back to back is it mm-hmm. really opened my eyes at how good these movies are at obviously telling the stories and telling the important parts of the stories, but giving you all this wiggle room that the extended universe could grow out of. You know, it's yeah. kind of a smart business move that they left so mm-hmm. much space that you want. I mean, you want that Cloud City story and you want the backstory yep. on Han and Solo, which, or Han and Solo, Han and, ah. Uh, God, Lando, there we go. Uh, my brain. It's it's that it's that rise of Skywalker funk already setting in. That's what's happening <laughs> in my brain right now. But you you want that backstory, and granted they tried to give that to us, but I think most of us kind of rejected it and said, That was nice, but that's not what happened. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's just, you know, this is why there was such a huge like market for all of those books that came out after this ori- yep. original trilogy. Yeah, um, I love that you brought up the extended universe because I think it not to like you know be mean to Disney again, but like I think it's really <laughs> interesting that the first thing Disney did when they purchased Lucasfilm is go like, oh that stuff doesn't exist. 
not yeah. canon anymore, which is essentially their way of making the world smaller and catering to nostalgia. Like only the movies that you really like, only the movies that everyone saw, like all the stuff with Mara Jade, all the stuff with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Sorry, that mm -mm, yeah. that doesn't exist anymore. We want to control that narrative because, as you mentioned, the weirdness of these movies did spawn a huge industry of comic books, actual books, you know, role-playing games, computer games, like it just yeah. exploded, yeah, right? And you had all these cool extra backstories written by some really great authors. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like for instance, like Timothy Zahn, like created a whole career out of these novels and, yeah. and really delving into some stuff that the movies don't just don't have time to do unless because you, you're not going to make a six hour Star Wars movie, right? You got a quick story to tell and you got to get there, but there's so much going on on the outside. And that's again, what I love about Empire is it makes everything bigger. It makes everything broader. And you brought up the solo movie, which I, you know, I have mixed feelings on. Like there are things I like about it, things I don't, but it does, it does make that all a little bit smaller. It shrinks it yeah. a little bit yeah. where you're like, now yeah, there's no the wiggle room anymore because now this is canon. And that kind of, you know, it's not the best, you know? And I think sometimes Disney's very good at making money. It is what they do. Yeah. Um, but sometimes I think that they are so short-sighted when it comes to storytelling. Mm -hmm. You know, like I enjoyed The Force Awakens, but that is another movie that's kind of like, okay, we know exactly what you what you folks at home want. So yeah. we're going to hit those beats for you for a new generation. And it worked. It made billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. But like from a artistic perspective, from a filmmaking, from a story perspective, it's kind of like, but you can do so much more. It doesn't have to just be that all the time. And I think that is the biggest thing we're losing with the kind of new, you know, uh, film by committee uh, mm -hmm. that we have now. Like, Love him or hate him, George Lucas was an auteur. Yeah. You know, when he was yeah. making when he's making movies. He had stories to tell. Even if you thought, I don't want to know about trade blockades, I don't I don't care about, you know, the <laughs> Senate, I don't care about that stuff. He had an idea in his head and he was going to explore these things and make these things larger. Mm -hmm. And that and it's a kind of a shame that that we're losing that with with this with this franchise because it is a it literally it's not a big world it's a big galaxy yeah you can do so many different things and there's so many opportunities and I just fear that Disney is not the company that really wants to explore that yeah and I mean there's a certain amount that they've started releasing I'm very excited I think tomorrow no today in fact uh this is recording on the 18th uh they just released a comic book explaining like mm -hmm. the time from when kylo ren blew up the like temple to you oh, know nice. the start of force awakens and i was like this is yes this is the kind of eu stuff i want i want this back mm -hmm. i want more of this uh i read the whole comic series where they explained like what poe dameron was doing before mm -hmm. uh episode seven and stuff like that you know and it's so good and exciting but they've left less wiggle room whereas this like you right. said it just blows up the entire universe of this of this story in such an incredible way that leaves i mean every single location and place in this just leaves you going yeah i want to know more i want to know if there's any other people on dagobah like i want to know what's going on there like i want to know yeah. what's happening in all of these places um and that's special i think the other thing that's super interesting as far as choices they made is like very clearly they were like we want to do something different than star wars or i guess a new hope as it's now known like mm -hmm. to the point of like okay the first movie opens on the desert 
All right, we're going to open on ice. We're going to go the exact opposite stylistic choice. And we're just going to... So it's like a cue from the very opening scene of the movie. As soon as the opening crawl ends, you're like, oh, well, this is not the world I was expecting. Yeah. And that is a really cool thing, you know? And there's there's just... There's so much... Like, I was watching this movie, and, like, sometimes you'll watch a movie, and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And this is like, oh, God, what? there's so many things. What could I What could I (laughs) grasp onto? Like... Because I remember first watching this when the betrayal happens, when Vader is behind that door, Mm -hmm. that to me, like, might have been the most shocking moment of the film, at least up to that point, you know, before we got to chopping off hands and, you know, Luke, I'm your father, all that stuff. Like, it Mm -hmm. was like, oh, oh, like, we knew we couldn't trust Lando, but like, we didn't know how much we couldn't trust him. Oh, yeah. But also watching it as an adult, you kind of get it. You're like you. He has a responsibility to try to keep all of his people safe. Yeah, and it sucks that that's his best friend that he's betrayed. So you're kind of like, I get why you did it, but man, that is messed up. Like that yeah. scene, and it's scary, especially because it's in this like stark white room, and then this yeah. giant black form in the middle of it, literally unstoppable. Yeah, can't be stopped by a blaster. You know, it was just like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. And that's why, you know, when you get the kind of prequel stuff with, with Vader, not prequel, but like side, side cool, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, when you have him show up in other movies and he's a total badass, you're like, yeah, this fits. Cause look at him in that moment. Like he yeah. didn't have to expend any energy and like he, he's unstoppable. It's an incredible villain. Like fantastic. Yeah. And I mean, it is still, even when you know that that betrayal scene is coming, it's still jarring because Billy mm-hmm. D. Williams is so good at charming the pants off of, everyone in the movie and in the audience that you still are just like yeah but that can't really happen right and then it happens you're like damn it there it is every time every time (laughs) it's almost like the movie isn't gonna change ah yeah no well unless george lucas comes back and wants to tinker and you know I did. That's another thing I like about this. There's a lot less changes. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I did notice that there's almost like no changes. There's a couple CG things, but like, honestly, it's just kind of a little, it's almost like a little brush up, you know, just a little touch. Yep. Yep. It's like in the very beginning with like the snow monster, the abominable snowman Mm -hmm. or whatever, there's some touch up stuff there. But other than that, there's not much, which I think as, as someone who grew up with these movies feels nice. Right. Where I'm like, oh, nothing. It's not even like, oh, I hate all changes. But like those changes, they jump out Mm -hmm. because they are so polished. Whereas like this, it's like, nope, this is pretty much like I remember it. And this is still great. Like this still really works. Yeah. And even the older things that he thought later he should improve, like the puppet Yoda. I watched this movie in 4K and puppet Yoda looked awesome. You know, like there are just things that like the which makes the like CGI stuff like pale in comparison because you're just mm-hmm. like puppet Yoda is so great and then I immediately jumped into episode one and I was like oi vey it's jarring <laughs> yeah it's, I mean I think I think sometimes like because you know like I run a podcast where like I you know watch all these directors movies in a row and that can be really jarring right because you don't have the you don't have the subtlety of time, right? You don't have from like the 1980s to the late 90s. And yeah. then it's like, oh, this is just a new thing. But when you watch them back to back, it's like, oh, my God, that doesn't even look like the same thing. What are you doing? Where's, yeah. where's my puppet? Bring the puppet back, please. <laughs> Put it back. 
back. And that was one of the things that's so nice whenever you do come all the way around to Last Jedi was Puppet Yoda was back. And I remember going, yep. oh, in the theater oh, when he showed up. There he is. Moving the right way. <laughs> I was just like, thank you, Ryan. Like, yes. Yes. Uh, but yeah. Oh, good movie. Good yep. movie. And obviously we could talk about this movie forever. And God, yep. I would love to. <laughs> Uh, but we should go ahead and wrap it up. So, okay. Dave, uh, plugs, um, a tradition, a podcast tradition. Uh, we And we already talked about one of your podcasts, but please tell, tell us about everything else. Yeah, so uh, one of the podcasts I do is a podcast directed by where we pick one director a month and kind of go through their filmography and talk about how they've grown and changed as an artist. Uh, right now, we're in the midst of uh, going through Spike Lee. Um, that is our next one. We also just did like Nancy Myers and Martin Scorsese. So kind of a little bit of everything. Whichever director you like, we'll get to them eventually. Uh, you can follow that podcast um, at Directed by Pod. And then I already talked about uh, Queer and Now. Uh, you can follow that at uh, Queer and now pod and of course uh seem you know read my writing and follow talk film society we do really good stuff you should check that out too awesome um and of course for me i mean if you somehow didn't get all my plugs from the last episode uh of <laughs> course my writing and my podcasting and all that good stuff is uh over at talk film society I'm at Twitter, at, on Twitter at CallieSmith92, on Letterboxd, same handle, all those good places. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for being on the show, Dave. I really enjoyed yeah, Thanks for having this. me. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was, was fun. Great. Thanks for that. And uh, as for everybody else listening at home, may the Force be with you.